Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to look at your word and to see what you would have us to see from that. And we ask that you lead and guide in all that we do as we look at this and and our discussion and where you want us to be, Lord. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ezra chapter 10. Now remember the in chapter 9, Ezra was on his face before God, confessing that the people had sinned and they had and do you remember what that sin was that they had done mm-hmm. that he's, that's really concerning him? Taking their daughters for themselves. Taking wives. Taking wives that aren't Jews, yeah. The, the daughters of the Edomites, Amorites, and all the other ites that live other in that ites. area. Okay. Now when Ezra had prayed, and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. And Sennacheribah, the son of Jehael, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said to Ezra, We have trespassed against our God and have taken strange wives of the people of the land, Yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away our, all the wives and such as born of them, according to the counsel of my Lord and of those that tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done according to the law. Arise, for this matter belongs to you, and we also will be with you. Be of good courage and do it. So we're going to stop there for a moment just look at this. Remember that the children of Israel are back into, in the land of Israel, but they had been in Babylon for 70 years. Then they came back, and it took them you know, several, almost a little over a decade to build the temple. So they had been wandering outside of what we would call the Jewish way of life. Okay? To a degree, they've, they've been Jewish in their areas to some degree or not, depending on how uh, much they went to the synagogues and, and everything. But many of them had become very carnal. They had lived like the rest of the world. They come back to Israel, and in one sense, they don't know how to live as Israelites. And we see that they're very much like we see Christians. They get saved and You've got the group that come to church all the time and study their Bible, and you can tell that they're Christians because they stand out from the world. Then you've got those who, they go to church, you, you kind of think they're Christian, you know, they kind of act like Christians, but yet, you know, they're not way out, in the, out there. And then you've got the group that you couldn't tell that they were Christians other than to talk to them. And so we have the same situation developing here, and the Jews are still that way to this day. Some that are very, very much following their following God's word and those that you know you wouldn't know that they were Jews unless you knew that their family family and their name and this is the type of people that Ezra is dealing with and Ezra is trying hard to get them to follow what God's word has said and you've also got to remember that they did not have the Bible in every home or the 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 information because it wasn't what was done and it's only been in recent years that the Bible has been in the homes of a lot of people. Uh, pretty much since the Gutenberg Press made it easy to make. And it was the first book ever printed was the Bible. Because it used to have to be handwritten. And if you ask Mark, you know how hard that can get. <laughs> to handwrite all this stuff out. And then it had to be proofread by somebody to make sure there weren't mistakes. And, 
and a Bible was a, you know, a huge book. It wasn't something that everybody had. And matter of fact, most people didn't have books in their home at all. Up until very recent years, it was not a common practice to have a book in your home. And so they don't have the Bible. They don't have anything to read. If they don't go to the synagogue and, and have somebody read to them, they're not learning God's word. And so Ezra is coming along and saying, uh, I know it's been a long time, but you shouldn't be married to all these people here. And it's, it's really been something that's hard for him. And it says they're, they're assembled unto him out of Israel, a very great congregation. And we're going to see that most of Judah and most of Benjamin's area came. And then they had people from outside, even from those areas, that came to uh, this. And this tells you how much news has gone out. You know, Ezra, the, the, the priest, the one who's leading them, is in great despair. And the word gets out. And people come and say, okay, there's something serious going on here. So we're seeing a picture of a, of a great revival that's getting ready to happen. And one of the great things about revivals, they almost always start with prayer. And we see this over and over. The Second Great Awakening of, in America started from a prayer group that met every week and prayed for revival. And then revival swept out. We see this when they do revivals. They do prayer with the revivals to, to get, basically to get God's attention, get him, get him ready to move. And this one starts with prayer. And we see that coming in and... And the leaders come up to, in verse 2, the leaders uh, come up to Ezra and say, hey, you know, uh, we have sinned. You know, we have sinned against God and have taken the strange or foreign wives would be a better definition, not strange. Uh, but foreign wives of the people of this land. And again, that land was, had reverted back to what it was, almost not, not quite as bad, but almost as bad as it was when Canaan when the Israelites came in and conquered Canaan. And we've talked about that, how sexual sins prevailed and no honor of God, the murder of the babies and the, you know, to the idols and the sacrifice and all the, all the evil that went on. And we've seen this reverted back because they never really got rid of all the people and now the people took over that area when the Jews were carried out. And so we see that, you know, there's this and this says in verse 3, Now therefore let us make a covenant for our God and put away all our wives and such as are born to them according to the counsel of my Lord and those who tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to the law. And so this is kind of an interesting statement. You know, we want to do what you want, Ezra. I mean, because they're recognizing him because this is a lowercase Lord. They're referring to Ezra. You're leading us. You're our... You're, you're the one that we're following. You're the one that we want to try, you know, follow. You know what God's commandments are. You know, so we're going to do you. And by the way, anybody who trembles at God's law, who fears God, is what he's saying. If they fear God, they're going to do what you're asking them to do. And, uh, and then it says, Arise, for this matter or this word belongs to you, and we will be with you and be of good courage to, and do it. This is probably the greatest statement that I see in this, be of good courage, be strong, be prevail, be urgent. Uh, in Joshua, we see that same one, be strong in the Lord 
and it's a comment that goes out there, and God asks us all the time, be strong. Be strong, just stand in Him. And the good news is all we gotta do is stand in Him. He's our defender, He's our protection. When everything's going wrong around us, if we can learn just to stand in God, it seems to go easier. Not gonna, I'm not gonna say it's easy. <laughs> it's easier than if we were trying to do it ourselves. And the great news is the more we stand with God, the more we watch Him work, and the, more we, and the easier it gets to stand with Him because we know He's gonna work. And the more we get involved with it, the more we mess it up, and the more we have to try to figure out how we're gonna get out of it, which is return back to God and stand in Him and let Him make, fix up the mess. And the amazing thing about God is He takes the broken part of our life. When we go around and we mess up our life, we break all the boards to life, He just comes along and repairs all the boards as only He can do. And He can put our life back together. And this is the wonderful thing, that God puts our life back together. We mess it up and He comes along and He just says, I'm going to fix all this. You know, we, we go in a, in a long path of sin, there's consequence for that sin, and, and God's going to take care of it. And he comes along and he says, okay, let me just fix it. And if we tried to fix it, it would have, you know, we'd take the two by four and we'd nail other boards next to it, and it would look ugly, but God comes along and he fixes it as if it had never been broken. And he restores, he restores everything. All right, let's see, verse 5. Then arose Ezra and made the chief priests and the Levites and all Israel to swear that they should do according to the word, and they swear. Then Ezra arose from before the house of the Lord and went into the chamber of Johanna, the son of Eliashib. And when they came together, he did eat no bread nor drink water, for he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. And they made proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem unto all the children of the captivity that they should gather themselves together into Jerusalem. And that whosoever would not come within three days according to the counsel of the princes and the elders, all his substance should be forfeited and himself separated from the congregation of those that had been carried away. All right, so Ezra is going to make some moves here. First he goes to the leaders, the Levites, the and the chief priests and all of Israel, and he, and, he call, and he makes them swear that they're going to obey God. And it says they did. And this is something we see over and over. Moses called the people together at Mount Sinai. He said, gave them God's rules, and they all said, yes, we'll obey all those, all those rules. And they kept, they kept doing this all through their history. And they, they gave an ultimatum, they better. And we're coming to that, yeah. <laughs> they'll lose all their property and will be confiscated. Yeah. Right now he's just talking to the leaders and those, those locally that says, you know, hey, we've got to gather together. And then they made this proclamation that you're talking about. They called everybody and they gave them three days to get there. So you've got to think that was a big declaration to begin with because they're, even though they're in a small area right now, they're still three days with it when you've got a camel or a horse or on foot is a pretty big deal. Yeah, it looks like they're trying to take their property. And, uh, they well, they, no, it's the seriousness of this, yes. It's the seriousness of it. And it said if they didn't come within three days, they, they forfeited everything they owned. Okay, this is a declaration saying you are going to be here. This is, I think what they're trying to do is say, this is important enough, get here. 
you know, don't don't say, well, I've got to take a week to get myself together. I've got to finish these. I've got to finish these these orders in the in the warehouse before I can come. He says, I'd like the three days of get here being resurrected. Then there's part of that because this is going into a resurrection type of thing. So there is that picture there that that I have in my notes that you know they're trying to get people to come and say, hey, this is this is the seriousness of it. We're getting ready to start a new life. A new life is getting ready to start. We're going to resurrect you, as, as was brought out. It's, you're, we're looking at resurrection. We're going to get ourselves right before God and correct things. And so this is the idea, and, and, and they're telling people, this is serious. If you don't get here, you're, you're going to lose everything you own. And they'd have to have a very good reason not to come. And they're not going to accept much reason. Verse 9, Then all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered themselves together into Jerusalem within three days. It was the ninth month and the twentieth day of the month, and all the people sat in the street of the house of the Lord, trembling for this matter and for the great rain. All right, so they're terrible weather as well. They've been called out and are sitting outside in the rain. So they're probably freezing to death because the ninth month is in a cold cold time. They're afraid because this is this is a serious thing they've been called to gather for because you're not going to gather everybody by forced decree if there's not if it's not important. You know, it's not everybody come to us and we're just going to say hi to you and you get to go home. It's you know, it has come to us because there's something important. We have an issue that has to be dealt with and it's raining. <laughs> raining on them and verse 10 and Ezra the priest stood up and said ye have transgressed and have taken strange wives and increased the trespass of Israel now therefore make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers and do his pleasure and separate yourselves from the people of this land and from the and from the strange wives then all the congregation answered and said with a loud voice as you have said, so must we do. But the people are many, and it, was, and it was a time of much rain, and we are not able to stand without. Neither is this a work for one or two, for we are many that have transgressed in this thing. Now let our rulers and all the congregation stand, and let all them that have taken strange wives in our cities come at appointed times, and with them the elders of every city and the judges thereof until the fierce wrath of our God for this matter is turned from us. Only Jonathan the son of Asiel and Jehaziah the son of Tikvah were employed at this, uh, about this matter and Meshulam and Sabbathai and the, and the Levite helped them. And the children of the captivity did so, and Ezra the priest with certain chief of the fathers after the house of their fathers, and all them that were, were by their names were separated and sat down on the first day of the tenth month to examine the matter. So we're going to stop there for just a moment. So Ezra stands up in front of the people and says, just bluntly, you've sinned a great sin. Uh, and, and then he defined that sin. You have taken foreign wives. And again, most of the people, many of the people may not have even realized that was a sin because it doesn't ever tell us how, how close they followed the, the word. And it's been several years since they've done this, but Israelites have always tried to keep themselves 
separate. Even to this day, uh, especially in the Orthodox families, if an Orthodox, if a Orthodox Jew even marries outside of the family, he's dead, he's dead to them. And if he gets saved and you know becomes a Christian or follows some other religion, man, that is that is even worse than being married to somebody that's outside the the faith. But but on the ultra orthodox, you step outside of the Jewish religion to get married to to and you leave it or you leave it, you are dead. I have a friend who's become a pastor and he was raised up Orthodox Jew, trained to be a rabbi. And he, if he calls his family, they don't even answer the phone. And in the days before the caller ID, they, they heard his voice. They hung up on him. And they will not accept a letter. If they see him, in the, see him anywhere, he does not exist. He is dead to them because he left the Jewish faith. And this is the way they've been forever on the, on the extreme. Now, the, then you go down different degrees, but most, you know, and the, some of the mid ones will, you know, you can marry outside as long as they will follow the Jewish religion, you know, ways, but don't leave. See, and, and I didn't. Yeah. So you were never fully accepted by their family. Yeah. You know? So, and then you go down to the, the ones that are just Jews by birth, you know, they're the Reformed and everything else, and they barely go to the church, and they don't really care one way or the other, but even they try to stay pure. You know, even for them, they try to stay pure and stay within an Israelite uh, marriage, a Jewish marriage. And so Ezra's saying, you've sinned and taken strange wives, and then that increased the sin. Okay, You've sinned, you took wives, and you increased the sin of Israel. And it says, now make a confession unto the Lord God of your fathers. And this word for confession means to acknowledge and confess God's character and his works. Okay? Say, so he was saying, you talk about who God is and, where he, and what he is. And this is important for us as Christians. The more we concentrate on who God is and his character and his righteousness, the more he's going to be changing our life. And it's very important. It's, it's so amazing. We don't go out to try to change our life. We go out and say, God, I want to have more of you. And by having more of him, he changes us into his image. And this is why it's so important for us. And I keep going on. In God's word, reading his word, being in church, getting around God's people, talking about God, thinking about God. You cannot think about God without having your life changed. And I mean truly thinking about him, not just, well, gee, that's pretty out there. God does a wonderful creation. No, really thinking about God and who he is and what he does. You get into his word. You start thinking about him. You start thinking like him, and he changes who we are. And that's why I say Christianity is the easiest life to live in many ways because all I have to do is let God change me. I don't have to go out there and try to change myself. All the other religions, you have to work real hard to try to please the deity. I have to work real hard to change my mind. I, 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 I work at meditation on, on, on sometimes nothing. You know, you've got religions out there, you're supposed to think on nothing. And I can't think about nothing because as soon as I try to think about nothing, I think about everything. Yeah, I try to pray. So. I sometimes think about something. I've got to get back on my prayer. I get distracted or I'll start wandering. And our minds do that all the time. You know, when, when we try to do something for God, 
we're going to have be bombarded by little ideas on say, well, what about this? What about that? What about my problems? No, I need to think about you, God. Help me to. Yeah. And this is why it's important that we start with a prayer to God. God, help me to keep focused. Help me to keep understanding. Help me to, to know what it is you want me to see. And we're told here, and it says, Confession unto the Lord God of your fathers. And for the Jews, they always think of God as the, as the God of, the, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Still to this day, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for a Jew. They really don't have this idea that God is personal to them for the most part. The Jewish guys, they're the frozen people. They're the chosen people. Yeah, no, but their idea is always that it's something in the past. They're, they're living on a lot of history. Every once in a while you get a Joseph or a Daniel or, a, or an Ezra who it is personal. You know, it's obvious that they have a relationship with God and it's based upon the right, right activities. But for the most part, they are this idea of it's, it's something for, you know, it's, we're, we're called, we're chosen by God, and this is who we, who we are. But they're basing it all in, in something that happened 4,000 years ago and say, that's, we're chosen and this is what makes us special. Instead of saying, you know, the idea that God chose us and, we're spe and I am special to him because he chose me. And this is very important for us to understand. God chooses us to be his children. That should make us a very special entity. He's not just my dad's God or my mom's God or my grandpa's God or, you know, go back all the way to Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. He is my God. And we see that in David in the Psalms when he starts talking about his God. He knew God. He knew God in a very personal manner. He wasn't just the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. David understood, this is my God, and without him, I can do nothing. And this is what's important for us, that we understand that God is very personal. He wants to be our God, not just the God of, of whoever. And I love the old statement that God has no grandchildren. You're either his child or you're not his. You know, you're not his because your mom or dad were saved. And this is something you talk to somebody, well, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, my dad was a, my dad was a minister. Uh, and so what? <laughs> you know, your dad being a minister has nothing to do with your relationship with God. You either are his or you're not his. And we need to keep that in mind. And when we have people that tell you, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I, I'm, I'm an American, my, my grandfather was a minister, my, my dad was a minister, I'm an American, uh, grew up in America, well, none of that matters. Do you know him personally? Do you know him personally? And that is what matters on here. And then he says, separate yourselves from the people of this land and from strange wives. And this idea of being separated from the wives basically means that they were to issue them divorces. They were to be divorced and, and no longer have that relationship. And we've talked about this whole idea of the mixed marriage because it, it tears people, it tears down your faith. It always, almost always does. And I'd almost say always because I've seen, but I have seen one or two cases out of thousands where somebody actually maintains their faith in spite of a mixed marriage, but it is rare. 
it is rare, especially when you marry somebody who has religious beliefs. About the only way it's going to work would be if they don't have any religious beliefs and don't care about what you do. But if they have religious beliefs, all of a sudden there's a mix. Who's, you know, do you say grace? What grace do you say? How do you pray? What holidays do you celebrate? You know, how do we raise up the kids? There's all these questions that come out. And even with one as close as Ju Judaism and Christianity, there's all kinds of questions of what do you do and how do you do it? Because there's the difference in holidays and, and practices and all of that. And sometimes it can even be within different denominations of Christianity, there's different enough differences that can, can be unequally yoked. Even though they're both technically Christian, there's all kinds of different practices. And, and so we want to be very careful about all of this that goes on and, and say it is to be separate. It is to be kept separate. And after, the, after he stated all this, the congregation said, you have said it, so must we, so must we do. Okay, you're the leader, you've said we've sinned and, and we need to confess God and put away these wives, We're, you know, we should do it. And then we hit that word, but. <laughs> but the people were, are many and at this, and it is a time of much rain, and we're not able to stand without. Basically, they're saying there's a lot of us and we've got to go stand, you know, we can't just divorce wives without going through procedures and there were procedures for the divorce they couldn't just say okay now I divorce you get out of the house they had to go before the elders they had to present the case of why this was happening and they're going okay there's a lot of us here it's raining we you know we're not at home there's not enough there's no no room at the inn, as Jesus was told there's no inns number one probably at all uh, there's no place for us to stay you know our tents are our tents you know are kind of leaky and we're you know it's cold we're not we, you know uh, this is going to take some time, Ezra. This is to, going to take time for this to happen. And it says, Let them all that have taken strange wives in our cities come at an appointed time. So it's basically they're saying, Hey, can we go home and come back and deal with these at, at, at a scheduled, appointed time? And this makes sense. And Ezra is going to say, Well, go. Go, go and do this. And then, it, then we read in verse 15 that, there's only two people who were employed in this. There were only two people that were going to be able to handle this multitude. Okay, so they've got this big problem, and only two people hearing the divorce cases. Let's say, make it simple. Only two people to hear all these divorce cases for all these people that are have come and said, "We, you know, we've got this problem." And uh, this is not going to be very good. And there's two Levites that are helping them. So there's basically four people in all for the entire population to handle all of these, all these cases Group coming divorce. up. Yeah, <laughs> what they end up having to do. And then Ezra in verse 16, the priest and certain of the fathers and the houses of the fathers and all them right names that were separate sat down on the first day of the 10th month to examine the matter. So here we are. Right now we're 11 days out from when they first sat down okay and this is the one thing about the Bible it gives you a lot of specifics so that you can understand that this isn't just a make-believe story okay a make-believe story story will go long long time ago in a, in a land far far away <laughs> telling you not not a real place not a not a real time it's just you know a story 
And the Bible gives us very specific details. It says, in the ninth month, on the 20th day of that month, and now we're on the first day of the 10th month. Okay, so we're 11 days out from the time they sat down. The leaders are getting together basically to say, okay, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to take care of this? It was, it was a good idea. No, we didn't want the people in the rain getting pneumonia and, and dying on us, you know, so we sent them home. But it's still, you know, another, another 11 days out, and it's okay, now we've got to meet. How, how are we going to do this? How are we going to examine all of this? And then verse 17, And they made an end of all the men that had taken strange wives by the first day of the, of the first month. So right now, it's, it took them three months to get this all settled to get all the divorces taken care of, to get everybody clean, you know, cleared up. And for some of them, it may have been, or were their wives willing to become Jew, you know, become Jews, and okay, if that's, if that's willing, they're willing to follow it and, and follow all the laws, then they probably approved that change. If they weren't, then it was divorce them and get, get them out of there. And so there's a lot of work involved on this, but it's taken them three months since the time they met together. And so we, we see this great big issue being resolved and counseling going on and whatever else, whatever else when it was involved in this, you know, probably, especially if there were kids involved, okay, you're going to get rid of these families, how are, you know, but they need to be taken care of. What, what alimony are you going to give them? Get what, rid of the kids too. They had to get rid of the kids. I mean, because the kids were being raised with mixed beliefs. You know, pagan beliefs and Jewish beliefs, especially if the father was doing his job, he was teaching them Jewish, and the, and the woman was probably teaching them about, their, about her gods, and so there's this confusion. So those kids all had to be gotten rid of. But you weren't, you know, the idea wasn't just to throw them out on the street, okay? You're getting rid of them, but you know, they weren't to just get rid of, the, rid of these kids, you know, and yeah. give them their cup and their pencils. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the idea was to, to help them out and not just throw them out, even though in the, because especially in the case of the kids, it, the kids hadn't sinned. The kids hadn't done wrong. So they gave her the house. And, and there might have been that. They may have been given, given possessions and, 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 and changed around it. But because God is just, he, he wanted to get this corrected, but the transgression belonged to the men who had, made, who had married the, the foreign wives. That was their transgression, not knowing the law or disobeying the law on purpose, whichever the case was. Because every Jew understood you're supposed to marry within, your fa you know, within the, the, the nation. And again, because they'd been so long in, in Babylon and so long away from the, the way of life, there's these problems that crept in. And this will happen to us as Christians. The more we stay away from God, the more we will become like the world and do things that maybe we even know are wrong, but yet we have no conviction because we're not living the right way. And it's so easy to do, so easy to do when you get away from God to drift, to drift into all the wrong way of, of life and make, have this way of sin and, and live in those lifestyles. Verse 18, And among the sons of the priests there were found that had taken strange wives, namely the sons of, the sons of Yeshua and the son of Zoadak and his brethren, Maasai and 
Eliezer and Jarib and Kedaliah, and they gave their hands that they would put away their wives, and being guilty, they offered a ram of the flock of the trespass for their trespass. So these men are leaders. The leaders were also transgressed, and in these leaders were sons of the priest. They knew better. <laughs> okay, the rest of them might have had an excuse, but the priests, they, they were the ones that had the word of God. They're the ones that are teaching people. They knew better, and it names off four sons of the priests who, are, who had married wives, foreign wives. And that is a bad reflection, not only just on those priests, but on their fathers who were priests, because the fathers obviously hadn't tr trained their sons up correctly to follow God. And so this is, a, this is a bad thing. When leaders don't obey, you've got problems. And when the leaders think they're above the rules, you've got problems. And we see that all the, all the time. We see that in various uh, pastors who've, who have gone, gotten uh, some, a big head on their, on their shoulders and said, well, I don't have to follow all these rules. I'll preach that everybody else do, does, but I don't have to. And then, then God calls them out and, and, and exposes their sin. And God will always expose our sin. And we've said this before, the, the more high profile you are, the more people that have to know about your sin and the, and the louder it's shouted from the housetop. If, if you're just one individual or in, in your family, then just your family will know about it. I met a pastor who was just going to say what they want to hear, he said, and he's doing a show. It was like a show to him. It was telling what they want to hear. And then, mm -hmm. I'm not saying he was a sinful guy afterwards, but he was uh, just telling people what they want to hear. He said, what you got to do. And that's not being a pastor. No. That is just trying to build a show, like you say, build a show or, or build a church, you know, build numbers. Music and all that. And there's a lot of churches that are like that, where, they, where the pastors won't say that, number one, they won't even say the word sin because they don't want to offend anybody, and they really won't name sins and say that people are sinners. But the Bible tells us they're sins, and we are sinners. And Jesus is our great example. I mean, Jesus was always saying things that drove people away in many cases. Uh, you know, he says... You know, I have no place to lay my head. And if you want to follow me, you you know, you need to be like me. Or, or if you want to follow me, you've got to hate your bro your mother and father and your brothers and your sisters and your and your spouse. And you've got to, you know, basically he was saying you've got to love me more than anything else. And people left him. At, you know, Jesus was constantly saying things. And you read through the through the through the Gospels, and it's he's saying things, and droves of people keep leaving, <laughs> because he wanted only people who would be committed and make the decision to follow. And this is why as, as leaders, pastors must preach the gospel. If people get offended and leave, then they get offended and leave. But they've got to be challenged. The Christian walk is the easiest walk, but it's also a very hard walk. If we, if we don't want to follow God and turn our life completely over to him, then it's going to be a very hard, hard walk to do. The more we turn our life over, the easier it is. But yet then we get attacked by people who don't understand why we're different. And we're going to always be under attack. People are going to hate us. They're going to hate everything we represent. Because we represent God. And we represent him in a way that people are going to go, boy, these people are strange. 
And we are strange as far as the world's concerned because we think differently. We're from a different world. We're from a different kingdom. We do not think the way the world thinks. The flesh has been crucified if we're, if we're living correctly. So I don't act the way people expect. And anytime you're around somebody who doesn't act the way they're expected, it makes people a little uncomfortable, a little nervous. So we as Christians are uncomfortable around the world if we're following Christ correctly. And the world is uncomfortable with us. Because we look at the world and say, wow, that's, they're sinning in all these different areas. Their talk is unwholesome. Their talk is ungodly. And the world looks at us and goes, what are these strange people doing? They're always saying good things about people. They love people. And we just don't understand this. And there's this pressure against each, other, each group that says, you're weird. Now, we understand why they're weird because we used to be part of them. <laughs> They don't understand why we're weird because they've never been part of who we are. And you know, we understand their, their, their problems because we've been there, we've, we've seen it, we've been part of it, and we've come out of that environment. And they just don't understand it. They don't understand our love because if they love somebody, they're usually trying to get something. I love you because you love me, or I love you because I want, I want something from you. And there's that problem and Christians if they're living in Christ just love and want to edify want to build up and then it says they gave their hands that they would put away their wives okay and which basically means that they're making a commitment they're shaking hands they're they're making a an agreement and being guilty, they offered a ram of the flock for their trespass. So these priests go immediately and say, okay, yes, we're going we're gonna to clean up our life. We're going we're gonna to do what we're supposed to do. And they give a trespass offering for the guilt, bring them back into fellowship with God. And now we're going to read a long list of names, so it should be fun. Who wants to read the list of names? Not me. <laughs> I knew that was him. I can speak in tongues. <laughs> and, the son, and of the sons of Imor, Hanani, Hanani, and Zebediah, and the sons of Harim, Mahasiah, and Elijah, and Shemaiah, and Jehiel, and Uzziah, and of the sons of Pashur, Eli, O Enai, and Messiah, Ishmael, Nathaniel, Zoabad, and Elias. And also of the Levites, Zoabad, Shimiel, Kilaish, the same as Kilata, Methahiah, Judah, and Eliezer. Of the singers also, Eliashib, and of the porters, Shalom, Telam, and Uri. Moreover, of Israel, of the sons of Parush, Rahmiha, and Jezaiah, and Malchiah, and Maiamin, and Eliezer, and Malchiah, and Benaiah, and of the sons of Elam, Mataniah, Zechariah, Mihiel, and Abdi, Abdi, and Jeremoth, and Eliah, and of the sons of Zatu, Elioenai, Eliashib, 
Mattaniah, and Jehemoth, and Zabad, and Azizah, and of the sons of Beal, Jehanan, Ha'enirah, Zabai, and Athlai, and of the sons of Benai, Meshulam, Bachlach, and Adariah, and Jashub, and Shia, and Ramoth, and of the sons of Pahath Moab, Ad Adna, Shilah, Binaiah, Maasiah, and Mataniah, and Bezael, and Binuai, and Manasseh, and of the sons of Harim, Eliezer, Ishiah, Malchah, Shemariah, Shimeon, Benjamin, <laughs> nice easy one there, Malok, and Sheeriah, and of the sons of Hashum, Mataniah, Matanathab, Zabad, Elithitlet, Jeremiah, Manasseh, and Shimei, and of the sons of Benai, Madanai, Amram, Uel, Benaiah, Bedaiah, Shilah, Vinaah, Merimoth, Elah, Ishib, Matuniah, Matunai, and Maasa, and, uh, and Banai, and Binu, -i, Shimei, and Shimeiah, and Nathan, and Adoniah, Machna Dabai, Sha'ai, Sha'ai, Azarel, Shel'emiah, Shemariah, Shilam, Amariah, and Joseph. Of these sons, of the sons of Nebu, Je'el, Matithiah, Zabad, Zebaina, Zabnu, Zabdu, you, Joel, Benaiah, all these had taken strange wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children. So this is just a list, and I've wondered if this list is a list of shame or a list of revival. You know, a list of, you know, all these people in all of time of history are going down as people that have done wrong. And it doesn't really say that these ones corrected their things. I believe that they have. So I kind of believe that this is a list of revival, list of the people who had made revival. On this list are 113 guilty leaders that they had done wrong. Four of them are from the high priest. 13 of them are from other priestly families. Thir uh, 10 are from of the Levites. And 86 are just other leaders of Israel. So this is quite a list. This is a, a list that's saying these are the people that needed to repent. And as far as it makes it seem in the context, they repented. We know that the four priests repented because they gave their offerings. Okay. And because of the context of it, I believe that this is a list of revival. We are going to turn back to God. 
We're going to come back to God and clean up our lives. And that's why I believe they're listed here. Not to say these are the bad people, but this is a list of people who are, who are correcting their life. And so it's a, good, it's, a good, it's a good list. It's a good testimony that says people corrected. And we always want our name in that list of people who've repented and corrected. It would be better not to be on that list at all because you know, we shouldn't have been placed where we need to repent. But all of us have sinned, and we need to be on that list that says, I've repented, I've, I'm cleaning up my life, I'm going to go forward. I want to see God lifted up in my life. And Jesus said over and over, if he be lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. So it doesn't matter what I say, it doesn't matter how I act, as long as I lift Jesus up in my life and my activities, he will draw people. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. We're a little bit er early, unless anybody's got some questions or thoughts. Okay. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come before you. We ask that you guide and lead us. Help us to always lift you up. Lord, we want to see people saved, especially our family and friends, that they will in be in heaven with us. Lord, give us the boldness to live a life that lifts you up and also the boldness to share the gospel when they offer to, to tell them what it means to be saved and, and see them to come into heaven. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.